This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 209, Jeffrey Richards on Hypnotic Communication. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. You are in for some interesting stories and some real workable applications of hypnotic principles in this week's session. I've known of Jeffrey Richards for a number of years now, whether it's interacting at the HypnoThoughts Live convention, uh, the Stage Hypnosis Conference, other events that we've both been at together. And it's about time I had him on the program. And I had a great experience, actually, back in February 2019 at the HPTI Winter Hypnosis Convention, where, you know, after all these years, I finally got to sit in the audience and listen to the man speak. And oh, wow, this guy is a thinker. He is a real worker and someone out there doing an amazing job of just spreading the awareness of what it is we're able to do with hypnosis and about time having him on this program and hearing his really colorful past in terms of an early interaction with hypnosis, discovering it by accident in some forms, and then really putting it into use. So take note throughout this one. You're going to hear some interesting nuances of how to best interact with your clients, how to help resolve common issues and really how to transition out of something else and into hypnosis and really start to make that name for yourself as someone out there really doing some phenomenal work, as we like to say, as a hypnotic worker. You can head over to worksmarthypnosis.com to the show notes for this session and get the details for the training events that Jeffrey mentions, as well as some of those other upcoming conventions that he's going to be speaking at. And while you're there too, head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash online. This is something that people have been requesting, if not demanding from me for a number of years now, and we finally made it work. It's going to be a live online interactive hypnosis training certification event. Up until recently, I've only ever offered this live and in person if you traveled to me. Instead, from the comfort of your own home or your own office or wherever you want to log in, you can get the same quality experience because the world has become a whole lot smaller. It's going to be interactive video training content, as well as a series of live training modules, which even if you can't make all of those live modules online, they're going to be archived for you. And there's going to be an easy mechanism to interact and learn and integrate that knowledge just the same. So again, head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash online. Just the word online. That'll redirect over to the next online training event. It's Work Smart Hypnosis live and online. And it's going to be a combination again of live interaction, student practice, as well as access to the Hypnotic Workers program. From the comfort of your own home, saving a ton of money on the event without the travel costs. We still, of course, are doing the Work Smart Hypnosis live events here in Northern Virginia and around the world too. But for those of you looking for an online option, that choice is now available to you. Check it out, worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash online. And with that, let's jump directly into this phenomenal session. This is episode number 209, Jeffrey Richards on Hypnotic Communication. You know, every time I tell this story, it starts a little differently because as I think back, I realize that it started much earlier than I realized. My mother was very into, and I should point out that I sort of grew up in the 70s. I was, my mom was really into 
alternative thinking. Uh, if there was a book on pyramid power, she was going to have it. If uh, I'm pretty sure that she had uh, some of the original Eric Von Donegan books. But she was also very interested in just the, the real world applications of the way the mind works. She had mm -hmm. been a psychology major in college. And I remember I had a really weird uh, orthodontic problem when I had my braces on. I actually had a tooth that was growing under the roof of my mouth, pretty much in the center of, of the roof of my mouth, that needed to be over on the uh, left side, uh, kind of in front. It was one of my canine teeth. And they had to do this complicated and kind of gross thing that I'm not going to be going into a whole lot of detail about. <laughs> but the orthodontist said, there's about a 50% chance that this is really going to work. And just like it was telling me, you know, make sure you put your galoshes on before you go outside in the rain. Mom told me, well, you know, when you go to sleep at night, just imagine that tooth gradually moving over into the place and position where it's supposed to be. Nice. And yeah, it worked. And I didn't realize that was hypnosis at the time. I didn't understand that whole thing about the critical faculty, excuse me, critical faculty. Larry might be listening to this. Uh, <laughs> being relaxed right as you drift off to sleep, right as you wake up in the morning. I didn't know any of this. I was, you know, 16. Fast forward about two years and uh, still sort of on the new age side of things. I bought a book, which is a phenomenal book. If you can find it, get it. It's out of print. David St. Clair's Lessons in Instant ESP. What 19-year-old yeah. kid doesn't want that? And about lesson two, lesson three in that book, there's a thing on how to fall asleep. And it works. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I was living in a triple in a fraternity house at the time, and one of my roommates was trying to get to sleep. We had an econ exam the following morning. I was still up trying to cram information into my brain, and he's tossing and turning, and the way the beds are set up, I can't actually see where he is. He's in this great big tall loft with a piece of plywood that was vice gripped onto the edge of the bed. Total fire hazard, but apparently a <laughs> really nice little womb-like sleeping area. And he, he can't sleep. It's really obvious. And so I say to him, you know, hey, Roy, because that's his name. Roy, I've got this thing that I've been doing, and it really works. Uh, I mean, you've seen how easily I fall asleep. Let me walk you through it. And I got about halfway through it, and he's snoring. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I realized now the first time I ever hypnotized somebody else. Yeah. I have to ask, because I'm sure there's curiosity out there, do you remember what that method was? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I just did a talk on that back at my alma mater. Mm -hmm. um, Kenyon College is where I went to school, and their health and counseling service has decided that this year there's really going to be a focus on outreach for self-care and, you know, just doing the stuff that college students never do, making sure you get enough sleep, making sure that you're taking care of yourself nutritionally, uh, controlling stress. It's a beautiful idea. I don't know anybody else who's doing it. And I was really eager to be a part. So, uh, yeah, it's a process where you go down through, you sort of float down through some colored clouds and they're the color of the rainbow. And uh, I truly don't really know the difference between indigo violet and purple i'm sure you do <laughs> so uh, i just as i'm sitting here with four different shades of purple on my phone on my um uh little 
computer case. And uh, thank you, Derek Chapman, my Russian dolls. Nice. nice. Yes. Very nice. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I mentioned I went to Kenyon. Kenyon's colors are purple and white. And I happen to have a home here in Gambier, uh, the home of Kenyon College, which is where I'm speaking from right now. And I've got, uh, as I'm looking at it right now, uh, a mere three purple things. So. <laughs> But yeah, you go down through the colors, you start at red. And because of my NLP background, I, I give people a break. The real way that it works says to well, real, I say the way it was in the book, you need to see the color red. Well, I know some people believe they can't make pictures in their head. And I'm not going to fight them on that for something like this. So just, you know, maybe you can see it. Maybe you just know that it's red. But if you can get a flash of the color, maybe from something that you remember, an article of clothing, a sign, a vehicle, you know, Campbell's soup can, I don't know. And it doesn't really matter. One of my favorite phrases. Nice. Just get that in your mind and allow yourself to experience yourself just gently drifting, floating, dreaming down deeper and deeper down as the clouds change color and the clouds become orange clouds, wonderfully relaxing, comfortable orange clouds, orange clouds all around you, orange clouds in front of you, orange clouds behind you, orange clouds to the left of you, orange clouds to the right of you, orange clouds above you, orange clouds below you, all around you, wonderful, relaxing, comfortable orange clouds. And you drift down through all the colors and you do that same exact routine for every single color. I was putting it myself into trance, just going through that little routine. <laughs> and you go through the colors of the rainbow, which if you don't remember that, it, you know, Roy G. Biv is uh, the yeah. mnemonic for that. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet, or as I like to say, purple. Yes. <laughs> and then you add at the bottom white. And then the white clouds part just like a curtain, and you find yourself in a beautiful hallway carpeted in your favorite color. And we're going to walk down to the end of the hallway and then we're going to stop because otherwise people just keep going and look and notice that at the end of this hallway, there's a staircase leading down. There are however many steps you like. I use 13 because why not 13? Mm -hmm. <laughs> down at the bottom, there's a door. It's locked, but that's okay because you have the key. And on the other side of that door is a perfect place, a place of perfect comfort, perfect peace, perfect safety, and perfect relaxation. We're going to walk down these stairs together. When you get to the bottom, you're going to take out your key, unlock the door, walk through into this perfect place and take them down the stairs very, very slowly, inserting whatever favorite stair walking down you text that you have. I always make nice. sure that there's a you know nice, big, sturdy railing and take them down the stairs through the door. Now, it's not uncommon way before you get to these steps, if you're doing this for yourself, to be asleep. I would like to point out, because I've had people who've come back to me with this saying, you know, it, it's a nice process, but I can't get all the way through it because I keep falling asleep. You're welcome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that wasn't that why you asked me to tell you how to do this. I'm just checking. I never assume anything. Mm -hmm. And if by some random chance they still happen to be awake when they get to the bottom there's a very comfortable place there where you can sit down or stretch out or maybe even lie down if that's a thing that's appropriate to do there and you can just close your inner eyes what does that mean i have no idea close your inner eyes and just know that in just a few moments you are going to 
fall asleep. Now, or in just a moment. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really matter. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic book. It used to be insanely expensive on the resale market. And then somebody bootlegged it. They scanned it and put it up on the internet. And all of a sudden, copies are affordable again. So... <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, it was ridiculous. They were selling for like 80, 90 bucks. Yeah, I've seen that at times where, uh, that again, I've been guilty of buying books that were rare, and then suddenly it's like, oh, it's available again. Yeah. Rats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the wonders of information on demand, or I think, uh, what is it, uh, abebooks.com, alleybreeze.com, and just all these different sources to, to track things down. So, so from that sort of, let's say, more unofficial entry point, when did it start to become official for you? What was that next step for you? Um, well, the next step was that I got a bad employee evaluation at work. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is, you know, the way so many of us got into this. I was, uh, that's a joke, folks. Mm -hmm. I was working for a um, industry membership organization, you know, like the steel casting producers of America. Not that, but like that. And... My boss was relatively new on the job. I was his first hire. And my boss had gotten an evaluation telling him that he had poor communication skills. Essentially, he needed had to learn not to be a jerk. Well, that couldn't possibly be his fault. So he interviewed when he came time to review the new guy, he told me that I had poor communication skills. And basically, I had to learn not to be a jerk. And I really took this to heart. I mean, I, I was, you know, one of those guys who um, really at the time, I didn't really have a strong sense of self. And uh, there's some some backstory to that that I won't uh, bother with right now. But uh, I, re I really got into this. It's like, okay, I got to take a class. Let's start looking at classes. And I looked at Dale Carnegie, which was local and looked really interesting. But no, no, sorry, I can't do that. Too expensive. I should mention that the, the, the company was going to pay for it. Nice. And I looked at a bunch of other things. Uh, Jonathan Altfeld was yeah. do, doing a class in uh, near Atlanta, I think. And that looked pretty good. And you know, I, I even offered to pay my way if the company would pay for the class. No, no, can't do that. Rex Sykes was doing a very similar class uh, up north of Milwaukee. Same deal. I'll pay my way if you'll pay for me to go. No, no, can't do that. Too expensive. And I had a drop dead date for this by um, several months after the review. And the day before the drop dead date, I sent him a detailed email and saying, you know, OK, I've done my due diligence here. I showed you this. You said no. I showed you this. You said no. I showed you this. You said no. I've I think I've you know, done my job here. And he emails me back and says, oh, don't worry about it. We've spent all of our training budget for the year anyway. <laughs> yeah, you are perceived to be a jerk. You need to fix that. Don't worry about it. That was the message I got. Yeah, yeah. Two months later, he was fired for having poor communication skills. And I went to our director with all of my emails printed out and said, did you know anything about this? And he said, no. But sort of as a thank you for not blowing up over all this present, he agreed, if I would pay my way, to send me to the class of my choice. And I wound up going up uh, north of Wisconsin to take uh, a three or four day class. It's been a long time with Rex Steven Sykes. Yeah, nice. Called how to get and I'm going to mess this up, but it's going to be close. How to get people to do what you want without nagging, pleading, guilt tripping or whining. 
and it was great. It was mostly NLP and some of, of Rex's own stuff and some other things that he'd brought in from all of the just amazing things in his background. Rex, in addition to have been an NLP trainer from the very early days, uh, has also been a tent revival preacher. Uh, he was an actor. He's spending a lot of his time these days promoting the Wisconsin film industry. Yes, there is one. And uh, doing um, mentalism and sort of a cabaret type act. And uh, he's a fascinating guy. He, he's a you know, great person to train with when he does trainings, which he doesn't do much anymore. But that was my entree to NLP. And I, I wanted to know more. And unfortunately, back then, this was long enough ago that like NLP practitioner was still 21 days and ridiculously expensive by my budget. And I, I just couldn't swing it. But of course, NLP modeled a lot of stuff from Milton Erickson, Virginia Satir. Hypnosis is a very close cousin to NLP. That's the way I think about it. So. I couldn't take any more NLP training at the time, but just up the road from Columbus, which is uh, where I was living, uh, just up the road in Detroit was Infinity Institute, and they took, taught hypnosis on the weekends. So I would drive up there Friday night and spend the weekend, drive back Sunday, and I did that for three months and uh, got my very first uh, professional hypnosis certification that way. Yeah. So then fast forwarding the story. So now the training is there. What was that sort of catalyst for you to start actually working with people one-to-one? I really just saw that as uh, the next logical step in what I was doing. I'm spending all this time and all this money to learn how to do this. And in the last chunk of training, uh, the, the training was broken down into three chunks of two weekends each. And I couldn't tell you which weekend it was, but it was the last chunk we were doing. Uh, the name of, of that particular chunk was Advanced Hypnoanalysis. And we were actually working with uh, each other in the class quite a bit. And uh, the hotel we were in had a lot of room to spread out in. And that last unit wasn't you know, really full. There wasn't a ton of people in it. So we had a lot of space to spread out. I had, we had this whole room to ourselves with this woman I was working with. And she managed to let go of a bunch of stuff that she'd been hanging on to for years. Hmm. And I barely knew what I was doing. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd never done it before. I, yeah. I had, had a lot of theory floating around. Um, well, on top of that, and I'm going to mispronounce this because it's not one of those things I work with a whole lot. Uh, is it Esdale or Easdale? I see a little bit of both most often hearing Esdale. Okay, let's go that way, um, because it's so much better than coma. There you and, go. <laughs> um, yeah, try explaining that to people who think that what you're doing is already weird. Yeah, come on in. Let's do coma today. Yeah. Hey, what? <laughs> well, I've got this mallet over here, yeah. and no, um, but she she goes into Esdale and she won't come out. Now, you know, these days I know exactly what to do and exactly what to say to solve that problem, but we'd never gone over that. And as it happened, the instructor, who was Ann Spencer, uh, happened to have walked into the room. There was some stuff in the back of the room she needed to get. And so to not disturb the session, I'm just sort of stretching things out. Meanwhile, I'm standing up. I'm waving my hands over my head and Ann over here. 
you know, I don't I, I don't want to be like shouting in, in front of you know my fellow student who is in my care at the moment but get over here I don't know what to do um, which is sort of my version of Jerry Kine's story where the first time that happened to him he reached over grabbed the person by the lapels and shouted wake up wake up wake up or at least that's the story that he used to tell yeah um, I mean, what you're highlighting here is something that so often, I think this is part of that message that folks that are out there kind of just at that border point of maybe learning a few things, but not quite yet actually getting out there and doing it that, well, this is a theme that's popped up here several times, this place where we sometimes know, don't yet know enough to be afraid of it, you know, <laughs> there, which is a fair statement, I think, uh, to, to very roughly paraphrase Chris, Chris Jones. You know, when he was on talking about his experience on America's Got Talent, he goes, now that I understand the work better, I probably wouldn't have gone for that moment because I would have had every reason why it wouldn't have worked. Or there you were in the early stages of helping someone release so many, so many things just in sort of the intro class, technically. Yeah. Um, and I that that really kind of lit the fuse for me. Mm hmm. And uh, then some some lucky things happen. Uh, of course, this was like in the really early days of the internet. This was, you know, well, not the early days of the internet, the early days of the the public mainstream Midwestern use of the internet, anyway. And so I started uh, asking around. I don't remember, you know, what forum this was. It was probably, uh, you know, an NLP, you know, news group. Um, but I was asking, you know, who's your favorite person? If you had to recommend somebody for NLP practitioner training, who would you recommend? Mm -hmm. um, and I got a lot of different names back and forth. And I had uh, taken another, I finally did take that Jonathan Altfeld class. And uh, Jonathan said, well, here's a couple of people. But uh, if you could ever get a chance to train with Richard Bandler, that would be the thing to do. And so I went online and looked and it's like, well, Let's see, I get some new vacation time that gets recharged here. And shortly after that, Richard's working with Paul McKenna and Michael Breen in London. Let's go. Nice. Um, and that was a fantastic experience. I'm not sure I'd recommend it to everybody. I was the only American in a room of, I think, 600 people. <laughs> oh, it, it was a ballroom uh, with just chairs and chairs and chairs and chairs and chairs and lots of assistant trainers. It wasn't like we didn't have supervision. Um, but uh, my FaceTime with any of the instructors was this. Excuse me, Paul, could you sign my book? Thank you. That, that was it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not even entirely sure he said, sure, there you go. Um, but he didn't sign it. So I'm curious to ask, I mean, working nowadays, so, uh, you know, a couple of uh, actually, well, days ago at this point, we were both out in Las Vegas at the HPTI Winter Convention where you gave a great talk on working with anger. Is there a specific thing that you found yourself kind of falling into in terms of that niche market, something you find you do exceptional work within? Being where I am, there are not a whole lot of hypnotists and a lot of the hypnotists who are here have uh, chosen to work in more of the new age field or to use it in conjunction with uh, a psychotherapy practice of some sort. They're, they're a counselor, they're a therapist, uh, they're a psychologist. And so I find myself in a rather interesting position where if you really don't wanna be working with a counselor, you, you've got your mind set on hypnosis, 
and you want to use hypnosis for something other than past life regression or talking to space aliens, wish I was making that up. Um, I'm the guy you call. So I find myself working with a lot of different things. Uh, the thing that I really am uh, focusing on these days is working with uh, athletes and working with entrepreneurs who need some help changing up their mindset, switching from working for somebody to working for yourself and really staying on task, not being distracted or people who are already successful. It's like, okay, you've reached the limits of your own belief here. Let's go ahead and take those limits out and see what you can do now. So let's raise the amount that you think that you can or deserve to earn. Let's increase the amount of creativity you feel comfortable exploring. And I really like those folks uh, because I'll work with them for a couple of sessions and then I won't see them for you know, six months or a year or a year and a half. And then they'll call me up and say, okay, I met those goals. I'm ready to start over and do some more stuff. Yeah. You're right. It's a very different atmosphere. This is one of those reasons I work with a lot of people in business too. That's not just for the reason that you, well, you say the price and they go, great, that's a deduction. It's also that here's a person. That's true. Here's a person. Yeah. Here's a person that is very goal oriented. And by the time they're reaching out to someone like us, let's call it out. We are not the first uh, round effort. We're not the first thing they'd often think of, of going, Hey, my, my search engine efforts aren't going so well. I need a hypnotist unless they've stumbled across my stuff. But here's this place yeah. where, you know, we, we have every bit of knowledge as to what we should be doing, yet it's the strategy inside of it. And you're exactly right. It's an extremely motivated person who is ready to make that result, ready to shift that change in such a way that they're going to follow through with it. They're going to actually make this thing happen. Well, and they believe it can happen. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know that uh, you've run into this, and I, I think we all have really, where the hardest thing you do in your session is convincing the client that change is possible because you're yeah. absolutely right. We're never the first call. Um, you know, uh, Mark Cunningham once said, and this was long enough ago that this reference made sense. Um, if there was a listing in the phone, the reason why we get any calls at all is because there's no listing in the phone book for which doctor. <laughs> because they'd get the call before we would. Yes. That's that's changing a little bit. Yeah, uh, which, and this is a conversation I had earlier today that I think a lot of our community needs to kind of catch up where we really are, that you set up a Google News alert and every week there's a positive story. This celebrity did this, this, you know, demonstration did that this person just resolved an issue and the local community thought it was newsworthy to print that stuff out so we are much further along than we'd often give ourselves credit for i'd say that being said i still uh open up my pre-talk um yeah i I know that you're an advocate of the all positive pre-talk and i use a lot of that in what i do but the first thing i do when i launch into the body of my pre-talk is the most important thing you have to understand is that at no time during your session are you going to bark like a dog quack like a duck or cluck like a chicken unless that's what you personally happen to be into in which case go ahead these walls are pretty thick and i don't think the people next door are going to hear you beautiful (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it's, it, it, I know it's not the case everywhere, but where I am, that's the thing that's in everybody's head. If you have told somebody you're coming to see me, somebody you told is going to say, he's going to make you quack like a duck. To which I respond, hey, if I could figure up a therapeutic reason to do that, I'd mm-hmm. be doing it. Yeah. 
until then, let's just do what we had planned. Beautiful. Yeah. So, which is great because it's where, yes, there may be the stereotype that's there, but something happens differently if, if we're the first one to call it out. I mean, in the, in the promotion of the book, I really had to own the title of rather than make you cluck like a chicken, he's the hypnotist who can help you to rethink your business, which is kind of playfully throwing all of us under the bus. But again, if that's the expectation, we're the one sales 101, satisfy objections before they arise, introducing that theme before it even pops up. Sure. And that's a really important lesson, you know, just going through everything we do. Uh, the fellow that I took my NLP Master Prac training uh, is, like so many people, I, I think that we've, we've all worked with a lot of people who we'd love to recommend, but they're, they're retired now. And uh, Steve Boyley up in British Columbia, Canada, he does about one training a year. Uh, he works exactly as much as he wants to, and uh, it, it's a phenomenal experience to work with him. But he was working with the client once, and he did everything he could think of, and the woman was just not going into hypnosis at all. And he finally said, okay, this is what I have expected to happen. This is what's actually happening. I wonder if you have any insights as to what's going on. And this wonderful, nice little old lady said, well, I'm waiting for the pocket watch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Hang on a second. And yeah. he, his office was in his home. He steps out, runs down the hall, runs into the bedroom, sorts through the jewelry box, comes back with a pocket watch. And it's like, okay, I'm sorry. I forgot. Here we go. And boom, uh, you know, goes into hypnosis because that was her expectation. Well, that's a theme in so much of this is we're just simply asking the client, what do you expect the results to be as early as this week? What is it you want to be noticing as soon as you walk out the door? And as as much of us would would quote the phrase, oh, the client is your script. I don't think enough people are really living that mindset with their clients of, you know, back to NLP to look at, you know, it's often been said uh, that, you know, we're either in the meta model or the Milton model. We're either gathering information or we're putting it into use to facilitate or motivate the next step of the change, the whatever strategy it would be. So if we find ourselves asking, what should I do with this person? It means you should be asking further questions as to, well, what do you want to be different? How would you like to be feeling? Yeah, I'm thinking of, here's the client the other day that, you know, just simply asking, okay, so what do you want to notice differently as a non-smoker? And the response was actually something very deeply personal, but also business related that I have every right to be the father my kids deserve and create the success that, uh, you know, is going to help to uh, support them in years to come, which the more the process could take the shape now of that result moving towards that rather than the cigarettes going to taste bad, which, yeah, we throw a bit of that in there because he goes, if I can make them think they're disgusting. Sure. So again, listening to the client, feeding back what they want, what they need. You're entirely right. And eliciting their expectations can also show you if there's any problems that you haven't dealt with. Yes. If you're working with somebody who is coming to your office to become a non-smoker and you ask them that question and you say, well, you know, I figure a week from now I'm cut down to half a pack. There are stop smoking strategies that do work on the cut down model. That's not the way I work, but I know they're out there because I've had clients who went through them and then they came to me. So if that's not your expectation and that's not what any of the suggestions you're about to give them are going to be talking about, you, you need to grab a hold of that and turn that in the direction you want it to go. So, 
because you can tell them stuff all day long, but if they've got a completely different expectation in their mind, you might as well just be one of those teachers in a Charlie Brown special. Though at the same time, that may be their specific goal. I mean, here's a person I worked with years ago that um, granted the, the disclaimer to the story, they were a referral from their doctor diagnosed with uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, which th- for this guy to actually call it out with humor, he goes, yeah, I don't have any interest in quitting smoking, but even I can accept that three packs a day is excessive. Um, three cigarettes a day is clearly not good for me, but it's definitely better than what I've been doing so far. Let me do that. Okay. Which, to be fair, and this may uh, lead into the next bit of things I want to chat with you about, I did find the place to just kind of drop the statement playfully that, you know what, change the name. You know what, Bill, I'm not here to tell you what to do. Because chances are you're just going to get bored with those three cigarettes on your own and stop on your own without me, you know, but whatever pace is good for you. And almost a few months later, he calls up and goes, yeah, I just kind of got bored with the cigarettes on my own and just decided to stop. (laughs) So I know you have a thing that you teach about how to uh, correct me on the title, how to inspire people to do things or what is it? How to let people do what you want. Yeah, um, exactly right. You know, I have been in a place you know, spiritually, not, well, physically too. It's it's a funny thing here in Ohio, I've been wanting to do some classes, but whenever I started looking into doing some hypnosis classes, it turns out in the state of Ohio, if you wanna teach hypnosis, you need to have a state licensed school. And there's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of open-ended questions. Do this and then we'll tell you what to do next based upon the meeting that we have three months from now. And I'm just not willing to go through that. So I've been not teaching for a whole long while simply because I, my idea of fun does not include going head to head with bureaucrats <laughs> whose job it is to say no. But I, I recently uh, started uh, doing some work with uh, Rich Guzzi. Yeah. And Rich has this phenomenal training center down in Tennessee where I don't have to deal with the Ohio bureaucracies. And so we've been doing some stuff together and Rich convinced me to do this class. He, he's uh, you know, seen what I've done and really gave me sort of uh, the nudge in the butt with the toe of the boot that I really needed to start doing more of this. So I've got this class coming up. It's called uh, How to Let People Do What You Want. And uh, you know, the name is the an homage to the very first NLP training that I ever took with Rex Sykes. And it's very much how to communicate with people, whether you're doing this to be better in your office working with clients or better on the sales floor working with customers or better around the dining room table talking to your kids. It's just about the fundamentals of communication and taking that into what can you do with that? How can you begin to understand the way that we interface with the world a little better and leverage that into communicating more precisely, helping you get more of what you want out of life, helping other people get more of what they want out of life. My goal in the world at the end of the day, if I can say there are more happy people on the planet now than there were than when I started, I win. And I I come from that from a fairly selfish perspective, frankly. I live on this planet too, and the more happy people there are, the more pleasant my life becomes. So if I can help more people be more flexible in their response, help them have more choices, 
help them have more opportunities to get what they want, more opportunities to be happy. Yay me. Uh, <laughs> yay them. Uh, yay all of us. It's a better, happier place. Um, you know, this isn't like kumbaya all around, but if you can recognize that happiness is possible, um, you know, as uh, Mike Lellner uh, used to say, hope is realistic. Yeah. And that's a revelation for some people because by the time they've come to us, they've done pretty much everything. And for a lot of these folks, it's they're at the point where let me just do this so I can take it off and I can officially give up with a clear conscience. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sometimes that's the hardest part of the job is saying, uh, I'm sorry, but if I have anything to say about it, I'm not going to let you do that mm -hmm. because Here's what success looks like. And if you'll take my hand, I can help us get there. Which I love the mindset of, again, very clearly that's coming from a positive place of moving towards a positive outcome, moving towards something that helps people. Is there an example of uh, one of these strategies that kind of turns itself around in terms of what we would normally think about influence in NLP? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that and this is just a, a really fundamental thing, but when you're starting from not knowing a whole lot about NLP, it's a very eye-opening kind of thing to begin to understand that two people can be in complete agreement, but because of the way they interface with the world is the way I like to put it. Uh, in, you know, in NLP speak, it's uh, what your primary representational system is. Then you may be seeming to one another to be talking about very different things, very different results. And this is where the flexibility and resourcefulness comes in. Because one of the things that I make sure that people know when they leave my trainings is that you are not expected to eat the elephant in one bite. <laughs> this is this is what a lot of people, they start looking at NLP and NLP is too complicated. It doesn't work and it's bad. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, I'm not going to fight you on the first one, but it's not too complicated. You know, too complicated compared to what? You know, let's let's just go ahead and have some NLP fun here. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't have to be. You start on little pieces. Uh, back when I was doing this, we didn't have smartphones. And so I had a little uh, day runner pocket calendar and I would mark it off with, OK, today I'm just going to listen for this kind of language. I'm going to watch for this kind of body language. I'm going to listen to this kind of tonality and I'm going to just do this long enough took about a week maybe till I'm pretty good at doing this. It's, it's starting to become organic. And now let's go ahead and start feeding some of this back. Let's, you know, when we notice, and I'll just pick one for one day, when I notice, you know, visual vocabulary, I'm going to start mirroring that back. Not necessarily those exact words. I know a lot of people do teach that, but whenever I'm on the recipient end of that, feels so much to me like somebody's working a formula mm -hmm. um almost like it, it's supposed to be that they're listening to you but it's to me like well you're only listening to me with the top part of your head you're still figuring out where you're going to yeah you're you're, you're running the technique as opposed to actually communicating yes thank you and so i i work with people to help them 
find those ways to reflect back this person's way of looking at the world to just give a clue to my primary representational system right there and help them feel heard, help them hear what you're saying, might as well close the loop and recognize that you do want to know what they have going on. And when that happens, all of a sudden, this whole other world opens up, especially for yourself, because now let's just set aside helping anybody else here for a second. The more flexibility you have with this, and uh, I take this from Rex Sykes. This is something that I try to do every single day. Rex's motto was go first. Yeah. Don't expect the other guy to meet you where you are. Go to them in your communication. And when you do that, something magical happens. You start to have more opportunities for yourself to be able to get what you want. You have more opportunities. You have more options, more flexibility, a greater sense of resourcefulness. All of a sudden, you find yourself less inclined linguistically to start painting yourself into a corner. Uh, you start using language and thinking that allows you to be aware of more options, to be aware that options do exist. And when you have more flexibility, when you have more options, when you have more opportunities to get what you want, all of a sudden you have a greater chance to be happier. I'll, I'll give you a real world example of this. Um, this is the part of the backstory that I wasn't going to tell from Shortly after I turned 21, up until just before I turned 31, and um, if anybody's met me, you notice that my eyes don't match. It's because of a very serious car accident I was in, and in the eye that looks a little funky, I have traumatic glaucoma. It's just like regular glaucoma, except it's caused by an injury. And I was putting an eye drop in that eye twice a day, every day. Eye drop, you know. What's that? I mean, yeah, we're, we're talking minuscule amounts, some of the smallest measurements medicine has to offer. The thing is, uh, the stuff that you put in your eye goes into your system really quickly. And this was also before uh, informed consent. I didn't realize that the drug I was using was a beta blocker. Mm. And one of the things that I have on my form is just what medications are you taking? And most of the time, I, I don't pay attention to that. But if someone's on heart meds, and they're coming to me for depression. Are you by any chance taking any beta blockers? You know, I'm not a medical doctor. I can't advise you on this, but I can tell you my story, which involves going to Alta Vista to give you an idea of how long ago this was. There was no Google and typing in the name of the medication I was on and the words side effects. And this happened after I got my NLP training. I was starting to feel a little better about myself. And I started to realize maybe I don't have to live like I have been living for the past 10 years. Name of the drug, side effects, boom. Oh, I've got that, 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 I've got that. I call up my ophthalmologist's office. Hey, I just Googled the drug that I'm taking and the word side effects, and I've got that, and I've got that, and I've got that, I've got that, I've got that. And the woman on the phone said, oh yeah, that can happen. Wow. And they put me on a different class of drugs. Still, it has the same result, but it gets there a different way. And uh, it took about 
four months, but I know the exact moment when the level of that drug got in my system when it was no longer bothering me. And it was a game changer. And I really needed at that point, because, you know, most people, you spend your 20s, you're building your career, you're building your friend and family support system, you're starting a family of your own. I was coming up with reasons not to kill myself. Mm -hmm. So I had some catching up to do. And it was everything that I had learned was continuing to learn am continuing to learn about how the mind works, how to be more resourceful every day that got me into that hypnosis class, got me into more hypnosis training, got me to set up the home office in my home, got me to move into uh, a shared office space with my chiropractor, a really good choice for a lot of people if you haven't explored that, by the way. And then last year, uh, getting a space of my own uh, with classroom space, with uh, video production space, and uh, going full-time. I have was doing this part-time for a very long time, and I inherited some money a couple years ago, and just a little over a year ago, um, left my job in the printing plant to do this full-time. Beautiful. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. It's It's... Yeah. Not something that I was comfortable talking about for a long time, but I realized that um, I'm not the only person who's carrying around a big sack of, uh, you know, road apples on my back. And you know, I think sometimes the more that we talk about this stuff, the more relatable they are. And, uh, you know, honestly, it, it explains some stuff. So. I mean, also, too, it's where our, our good friend metaphors that often through the story, while there may not be someone else out there with that exact story, Here's the person nearing burnout in terms of what they've been doing. And yet off to the side, here's been this hobby of hypnosis. Here's someone I just started working with as a consultant that here's how the last couple of years have been a bit of a train wreck. And yet now here's that opening to go, oh, wait, this is where I can now do this. So we're often it comes down to that one singular moment of suddenly realizing how the world is different and we can't go back to the old way. And that's perhaps one of the most inspiring things sometimes. Absolutely. You know, when, when you've, uh, cu when you've cut off going back to the barely acceptable way things were, but here's this awesome thing. In fact, there's like multiple awesome things and you get to pick one. And if it doesn't work out, well, you get to pick another one. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a wonderful thing, and uh, it's a wonderful thing when we can help other people do that. Yeah, and I'm going to have to have uh, the person I'm about to reference back in the program sometime to chat about this, but there's a previous guest on the program, Howard Cooper, out in the UK, that he and I were together sometime last year, and he was explaining how, and he <laughs> apologizes to magicians now for this, he shows them a magic trick as part of his pre-talk, and then explains how it works. And then by saying, now watch it again, they're now watching for the gimmick that makes it happen and the trick is no longer impressive. And to kind of look at that turning point for you where here's this moment where you suddenly were able to observe things in a very different way and that old belief structure just crumpled. And that was that opportunity now to move forward. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Where can, uh, where can people check you out online and uh, find out more about the work you're doing? Sure. Uh, if you're interested in uh, the 
sort of the clinical side of what I do. It's really not the right word. I'm not a medical or mental health professional, but that's the word we use. Um, they can go to peakperformancehypnosis.com. And if they're interested in my uh, three-day class, How to Let People Do What You Want, go to hypnosisworld.com. And in the upper right-hand corner, I think it's products and then NLP training. Beautiful. And you're also going to be at the Hypnosis World Convention, right? I'm going to be at the Hypnosis World Convention. I'm also going to be at the Heartland Hypnosis Conference offering a two-day post-conference class called How to Write Your Darn Book. Nice. Nice. And briefly, tell us about that. And, and, you know, you're, you, Jason, are a perfect example of this. There are so many of us who say, you know, I want to write a book or I need to write a book or I've got this book in me, uh, which is oh, very painful. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, <laughs> again, we're, we're, we're not medical professionals, um, but, you know, of course, they're hallucinating this book inside of them. But we're not mental health professionals either, but still we can use that metaphor. And having spent, you know. We started the story. I was talking about uh, working for the professional uh, membership association. I was working in their publications department, and I helped produce during my time there uh, dozens of books. And it's gotten so much easier because back then there were still some things that we were, you know, sending off to be camera shot and stripping in the stuff at the bottom of the page with a little strip of paper and wax and then mm -hmm. like rubbing it onto the paper doing literal paste up uh which sounds like fun maybe until you realize that some of these books were thousands of pages mm. yeah it was brutal we we got an intern it was okay for everybody <laughs> but the intern which you're right, but, it's, it's advanced so far. I was amazed that in the publication of Work Smart Business that uh, by publishing with KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing, yep. that um, the same physical paperback could be printed on demand in multiple countries and delivered next day. Exactly right. And, you know, it's, it's sort of what Apple did. Apple did not invent the MP3 player. Apple did not invent the personal computer. But they took an existing idea, they took an existing technology, they made it better. Print-on-demand has been around for a really long time. Xerox has been doing it. Uh, I forget the name of the machine, but it's, it's just a great big copier binder unified thing. It's about 12 feet long, or at least it was back when they were. The DocuTech, that's what it was. It was the Xerox DocuTech. And the thing was phenomenal for what it was. But well, now publish, you... Publishing methods aside, why would yes. somebody need to write that book? Or a darn book, as you say. Yes. It's if you want to be perceived as the expert on a topic, if you want to get onto a radio show, a TV show, a podcast, it's really helpful to have a book and you hold it up. And there's still this perception that he wrote a book. He must be or she must be the expert on this topic. It's sort of like how 20, 30 years ago, a lot of jobs, you know, the, the ad for the job said, must have a high school diploma. And now for that same job, you know, must have a master's degree, PhD candidate preferred. It used to be enough that you had a sexy looking business card. Mm -hmm. It used to be enough that you had a good looking website. Yeah, I'd share as, I, as I'm doing more speaking nowadays, this was the strategy of the last 12 months of going, what are the credit points that everyone in my competition range has? Uh, TED Talk and book. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you've got them both. And uh, presumably at some point, somebody, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, might be doing a class on how to do a TED Talk or how yeah. to get a TED Talk. <laughs> I published that for free online. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm going to be doing the two-day post-conference class at Heartland, how to write your darn book. I'm going to do a couple of classes for free during the weekend to explain in a little bit more detail why you need a book, why it's not as hard as you think it is, why some of the things that you may still be carrying around about what it means to publish a book aren't true. Um, I think pretty much anybody listening to this podcast has heard of the book publishing company Llewellyn. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine published, wrote a book, published it through Llewellyn. And uh, it's still in print. If you're interested in such things, it's a very good book. It's called Hands-On Chaos Magic. And he spent a lot of time on this. But because he was a first-time author, he didn't really get a lot of help in promoting the book. But he busted his hump to promote the book. He was, um, and given you know the competition in the field, in the category, this is rather impressive. He was actually an Amazon number one bestseller. Now, they you know re-roll those dice about every hour. Yes. But he was still, for one of those hours at least, the number one book in his category. He really worked hard to make that happen, and he got a buck for every one of those books that sold. If he had done that today, he probably would be pushing that out himself at a lower price point, making more money per book and selling more books. Yeah, and also being able to control that dialogue around it too. Exactly right. It's yeah. now entirely his book. And when you come to my class at Heartland, you're going to be able to say, this is entirely your book. Beautiful. Well, so I will put the links to all those in the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com for the Hypnosis World Convention, as well as the Heartland Convention, plus the three-day class. To kind of bring it all together, any parting words, any advice for those out there in this hypnotic community? If you're doing your best, which does not have to be perfect, but if you're doing your best, you're making an effort every day to be just a little bit more flexible, a little bit more resourceful, a little bit more confident in your own ability to, no matter what kind of straits you find yourself in, turn it around and find a new direction to head in, then you're not just helping yourself, you're helping everybody. Because the more happy people there are in the world, the better world we're in, and we're all in this together. That's what I got. Jason Lynette here once again, and as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for leaving reviews and sharing it on your social media streams. And once again, head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash online to sign up for your spot in this live interactive online hypnosis training event. You're going to get certification through me with the Work Smart Hypnosis Group, as well as certification for those seeking it with the ICBCH, that's the International Certification Board of Clinical Hypnotherapists. You're going to get access to a ton of content and a 100-hour professional training course. And again, the difference is this time from the comfort of your own home or office. Check that out worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash online. See you there. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. <laughs>